on this week's Chinwag edition of the Sword and Staff. I'm one of your hosts, Josh Robinson, and joining me today, as always, is my co-host. Sketchy Richie. Sketchy Richie is in the house today. In the house. Sketchy Richie is going to be talking about sketchy stuff today. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, But before we do that today, we're going to do a reaction video to Amazon's The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. And I actually wanted to play it so that we could watch it together and react together. So we've never done a live reaction video before. I mean, we've reviewed stuff, but we've never yeah. live reacted. So um, you guys will probably be able to hear some of the audio through our mics. Um, so, yeah, but Richie and I are going to react to it. And, uh, yeah, see. Yeah, Richie see, flips the table and just in a rage, you know why. <laughs> I suspect that Richie and I have two different takes on it. I suspect that mine is mostly positive. I suspect that Richie's is going to be mostly negative. And all of this the way is of our lives. all of this is subject to change. Yeah. <laughs> so so we'll do that and then after that we're going to get into some uh interesting paranormal stuff that Richie wanted to talk about which was uh out of body experiences and was there anything else was near death experiences? Well, near death experiences, astral projection, all sort of summed up in out of body experiences. Yeah, so we're going to talk about astral projection and some of that stuff. So um yeah, hope you guys are excited about that. <laughs> you can tell just Josh is just thrilled. I'm mostly going to be listening on. No, on he's a lot going of to it. jump into the conversation. I'm I'm here for the Tolkien stuff. So I'm just kidding. All right. So to start off, we're going to start off um, by um, reacting to the trailer for the Rings of Power. So here we go with that, and then we'll give our take on it. All right, Richie. Here we go. All right, Richie. So we just watched the Rings of Power teaser. It's a title reveal is what it is. We just watched it for the first time together. You've seen it on your own. I've seen it on my own. It's the first time we've watched it together. So let's have a discussion about this. Give me your thoughts on it. I, I, first thing I want to say is this. The first time that I watched it, I had I, I had no idea what was going on with this. At first, I thought that these were like mountains. <laughs> And that this was like an overview. And then as the trailer went along, I realized that, oh, no, they're pouring like molten metal in all of this. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Because at first I thought that it was like a, a landscape that they were like going over or something. Yeah. Especially with the fog. Like the yeah. fog was the thing that threw me off. But anyway, go ahead. Tell me some of your initial thoughts as you, you saw it. My first thoughts is initial rage. From the recasting of Galadriel, because that's, you know, my favorite character. Uh, Team uh, Kate Blanchett the whole way. Yeah. But, I don't know, it's just a hostility towards that, because they've kept the same character as Galadriel for like 20-some years now, so. Yeah. It's definitely something to get used to. But beyond that, if I can get past that, I mean, just the name, the Rings of Power, taking yeah. it straight from the Silmarillion. Yeah. So, I mean, it looks okay for now. Yeah. Uh, I... I'm. I'll be honest with you. I'm like. I'm pretty hyped about that teaser in particular. Now that may change entirely whenever they release a full trailer, or if they. I don't know when that's even scheduled. I mean, that was literally just a name reveal. Yeah, it's just so. a name reveal. So I. I was all in all. I was pretty happy about it, and I've seen a lot of negativity out there about it. And I don't know. Maybe it's just where I'm like post mill and like optimistic about things, but. um I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I liked it. And some of the things that I liked about it, it's a, there's a couple things that everybody 
like nobody like everybody seemed to be bashing the name. And Honestly, I think there's like this this want to hate it because yeah. it's coming from Amazon, coming from kind of Jeff, Jeff Bezos and Yeah, which I get. You have a hostility towards him, so you kind of you're looking for something in this yeah. default pick and you don't know if it's going to be that or not yet. I and I get it. You know, like I I saw it and I've seen the picture of Jeff Bezos holding up the the rings yep. of power, you know, thing that they did. Like, so I found out that that actually is not CGI. Yeah, they actually that's real footage, like no CG on that whatsoever. They actually poured the molten metal, um, you know, into the the cutout, and actually all of that's filmed. Like, there's a behind the scenes out there. I think yep. I saw it on IGN or RingsofPower.net. I think I can't remember. Um, but anyway, I was blown away by that because yep. at first I thought it was for sur- for sure CGI, and it wasn't. And that's what one of the complaints was. Everybody's like, this was, everybody's like, this really is terrible. Horrible CGI. CGI. I was like, it's not. it's not CGI at all. And so, um, and then, so the, the things that I've seen the most, two things. First was that is, uh, people didn't like the voice, the voiceover from the, apparently the girl who's mm, playing the yeah. new Galadriel. And I get it. Um, I'm not against it, I guess. I mean, it's nothing against her as an actress. I mean, I can look at her and actually in my mind, the picture that I saw of her. Yeah. She fits more of what I would picture Galadriel looking like from reading the books, but it's where I've had Kate Blanchett sort of as Galadriel in my mind from the movies for so long. It's just hard for me to, yeah, separate the two. Yeah, I understand. And I, so everybody was like, "Oh, you know, her de- her voice isn't as deep as Kate Blanchett's," and I'm like, "Well, you know, to be fair, like this is set in the Second Age, and Galadriel." I don't think he realized how old Galadriel is. I no. Think- and thousands so, of years old yeah so galadriel is significantly younger in this than she is whenever we meet her in the third age yeah so you know I, I have no problem with the voice being younger and more youthful sounding it makes sense story-wise so i mean i think everybody would have liked to seen some of the old cast retained yeah that's probably my biggest my biggest bugaboo about this whole thing is i don't know any of this cast and like the other cast, you know, for like Lord of the Rings, and then even, even the Hobbit. At least with the Hobbit, yeah. I mean, you literally had the old cast, yeah, some of the main characters come back, yeah. yeah. But with Lord of the Rings in particular, like it was an all-star cast. Yeah. Like I mean, that cast, like it's just you can't, man, you you can't outdo that cast. That, <laughs> you know what I mean? That was so they set the goodness. bar. They set yep. the bar really high, and and I understand like there's people out there who don't like the movies. You know, like, and I saw the movies before I read the books. And so, for me, I think I'll probably always have a soft spot for the movies. Whereas, like, Tolkien purists who read the books first, like, in the 60s and the 70s, like, don't like the movies. I'll probably always have a soft spot in my heart for the movies. So, so, but for me, I think that the original cast set the really bar high. So, I'm really worried about this new cast who I don't, I don't know any of these people. And so, that's my biggest thing that I'm worried about. But honestly, um... I think there's some good things here. So one of the things, though, was the Galadriel thing, and which I'm totally fine with. I I don't care. Like Galadriel's not my favorite character anyway. <laughs> she is yours, absolutely mine. Uh, but so I, you know, but it, I think it makes sense plot wise, story wise. But another thing that was a big deal was people were, uh, you know, talking about the title. The Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. Everybody's like, "Why couldn't you get us something, you know, that we've never heard before? Why couldn't you give us something different?" And I actually think that the title is a big plus. I mean, they want they their gripes are that they hope that they stick to the script, but then they complain because the title is literally something that yeah. is, out, is not out there. Like. Every yeah, everybody talks about how they want they want. Amazon to stick to the source material from yeah. the Silmarillion. And then they like, literally pull a title from the well, Silmarillion so, and they rage. Yeah, so, and that's the thing. I don't know if most of the the people out there have read the Silmarillion to know that the name is from the Silmarillion. Yep. So, like, I have it right here. You guys see it on camera. Tolkien's Silmarillion. Um, and the third section... Yes. Well, yeah, well, uh, one of the last sections is the first one. First, second, third, yeah, fourth, fourth or fifth section after the Akalabath, um is called of the rings of power, 
in the third age. So the title, The Rings of Power, is coming from Tolkien himself, who wrote on the Rings of Power in the Third Age. Yep. So it's you're moving from the Second Age into the Third Age in that story. But right before that's the Akalabeth, which is the story of the fall of Numenor. And so it, to me, I think the title is a plus because it looks to me like they're sticking close to the source material. Right, which was the really, whole point of the concept for this series. They wanted to fill in the gaps of things that were mentioned in the original Lord of the Rings movies. Right. Like you hear uh, them describing Aragorn coming from the 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 blood of Numenor and mm-hmm. the, the tragedy that happened there, but you don't get really get any details about it. And you hear about the, the, the other rings of power and the history of the elves, and so this is sort of filling in the gaps that that sort of left out. Yeah, and... And I think that we see some signs of that, even in the trailer itself, or even in the teaser. Yeah. So one of the things that I noticed was there was a very clever call to the Akalabeth, or the fall of Numenor, um, in it. So it's uh, the part there, like, so it's it's the, the trailer, it's got like, you know, they're pouring molten metal into this cutout, um, right? Yep. Which obviously is um, a callback to the forging of the ring of power right and the rings of power yeah um and then you've got the o at the end of it that's got the the black it's uh i guess it was uh black speech i I, i'm not sure what it was but i know that uh carl hofstadter or hofstadter um who is like one of the the like biggest authorities on tolkien right now he just he was the guy who uh oversaw the release of the nature of middle earth here last year um it was one of like the last works of tolkien to like be released you know that kind of thing he was kind of like hand picked by christopher tolkien to kind of like oversee some of that like they become friends christopher invited him to you know check out a lot of the stuff that of his dad's you know so to- like christopher kind of you know like kind of hand picked this guy you know what yeah. i mean but anyway he saw the teaser and he saw the writing on the o that it shows whenever she says in the land of Mordor where where shadows lie, only she says Mordor. Yeah, <laughs> you know. People talking about I saw that. Was, yeah, I was they like, just rolled that R, rolled it hard. Uh, but uh, it says he he said that on the ring he could read it, and it said uh, for, one for the Dark Lord. So it seems that we are going to see the forging of the rings of power, and probably see the origins of Sauron, the Dark Lord. So that's going to be interesting. Um, so those are things you could gather from the trailer. The other thing was also the fall of Numenor. Whenever uh, she talks about that there were nine for mortal men who were doomed to die, like as soon as she says that, there's this flood, wave, of, yeah. flood of water that just floods over the molten metal. And in the Second Age, you have, uh, with you know all of this story in the Silmarillion, you have the story of Numenor. Yeah, the fall of Numenor. Fall of yep. Numenor. And we've already seen uh, the still image, right, which um, we're thinking. And even that, it's like a sinking into the waves, into the ocean, into the sea. Yeah. So it makes sense, the symbolism there. It did. And so we, we've already seen the still image that um, was released uh, fall of last year. It almost makes me think, I wonder if that's Tolkien's nod to, like, the story of Atlantis. It is. Yeah, that's what I always. Mm-hmm. That's what I always thought. Yep, that's exactly what it is. That's it's kind of his, his. Uh, he's kind of taking that story and, and working it in. Yep. You know, so it's pretty cool what he's doing with it. But um, oh, what was it? I was going to say. Um, yeah. So we've already the odds that that's pointing to the fall of Numenor is pretty strong. I think um, we've already seen still images of uh, what looked like maybe uh, we saw Val Val Valinor. Valinor. Or maybe it's Valmar. We don't know. Valmar is the sort yeah. of the capital city. Capi- so, yeah. Right. Either so or. we don't know exactly what's it, but we know that it's there somewhere because we see the two trees in and the it background. It can't be any farther than Valmar, I don't think. Yeah. So I mean, we know that it's there on that island. And um, Numenor is east of Valinor. And so we know that we're going to be out there in that area, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, west of. Uh, west of uh, you know Middle Earth, you know the rest My of the places. My biggest worry is they they're going to give us this uh, sort of flashback montage of Valinor, the two trees, and they're going to leave it at that and yeah. just leave you mad because they didn't show you any more of that. Yeah, and focus more towards uh, the Numenorean story and things like that. But so so um, so yeah, so I'm 
I'm cool with uh, the the voiceover, um, and I'm cool with the title. Like, I think Rings of Power is good. I think it's ki- sticking close to the source material, so I don't get the complaint with that. Um, the next thing that I was going to see is it, this is the thing that everybody's worried about. It's been the thing that we've been worried about was that they were going to Game of Thrones it up. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was on, be honest with you. We did. We talked a little bit about Wheel of Time because we thought that it could be an indicator of where they were going with um, with this series. And I've kind of changed, changed my thoughts on that a little bit since then. So I did not like Wheel of Time. Wheel of Time was not good. I did like not, it was not, good. not visually. It was great, um, but story. I did not like what they did with it, and they did exactly what I figured that they would do with it, <laughs> which, which is which makes me concerned about well, Prime Lord of the Rings. Okay, yeah. So it does me too. But here's something that's happened that we just figured out over the past couple of days. So we know that it had Games of Thrones, Game of Thrones writers on it, right? Right. Game of Thrones was TVMA. So it's only intended for mature audiences over 18. Um, Will of Time was TV 16 plus. So watchers, it has some mature content, but it's for 16 and over. Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power has officially come out as TV 14, which is almost the equivalent to kind of like a a PG 13. I mean, that's kind of what the movies, the original of the Ring movies yeah. had, right? It was like... I think. I, I would have to look. i sure it was. Yeah, because of the violence and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but here, here's the good news about that. That means that the odds of them games of throwing it up, Game of Thronesing it up, is not very high. Because it's not TVMA. It's not even rated as high as, or rated as far, you know, uh, up the age scale as Will of Time was. So... I don't think that we're going to have to worry about this being a Tolkien-esque version of Game of Thrones. Um, it, they can't, so I, they're not going to be able to show like explicit nudity and sexual content like they would on Game of Thrones because it's TV 14. Yeah. So I, I think that that's at least good news. And now it doesn't mean that there can't be sexual content on it. But it I mean, does it mean that it can't be. Yeah, it won't be in your face. Yeah. But they could come up with some quarter, sort of like sneaky, sneaky sinister kind of yeah. roundabout way now, to like they promote could do agendas like, and yeah. things in it. They could do like romance stories and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but the, like of it being graphic sex, you know, I've never watched Game of Thrones. Um, so, but I've, I've heard about Game of Thrones. I've, I've read a little bit of one of uh, a couple uh, of, of Martin's books, and I just didn't like them. And um, so I, I know a little bit about them, but I, this though, it's uh, the odds of it being that way, uh, like Game of Thrones or even Will of Time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was really pleased that it would come out as TV fourteen instead of uh, TV sixteen plus. I was like, okay, so this is going to be a little less intense than even what um, you know Will of Time was. I was not happy with Will of Time, but they kind of sexualized it. I mean, like, there wasn't anything, like, terrible or anything like that in it, but this seems like it's going to be less than that, and I'm really happy about that. So that's why I'm kind of excited about it so far, at least until I see a trailer or see, you know, see it whenever it comes out. From from what I've seen so far, it looks like they're sticking close to the source material, and it looks like it's not going to be a Tolkien-esque version of Game of Thrones. I mean, I've just... just just seeing what Amazon has produced in the past, yeah, like with shows like The Boys and uh, that superhero show, mm-hmm. and things like a Carnival Row, which I wanted to really like, it had Orlando Bloom in it, and it was about monsters on the margins and yeah. like Fay and things like that. But it just turned out to be nothing but yeah. literally just like a, a well-produced porn. Yeah, but it just seems like Amazon puts out something. And makes it look so enticing, and then you get into it, and there's trash just yeah. woven into it, woven into it everywhere. You know, like I, I think the things that on the surface, I, I still have major concerns about. It. I'm afraid that they're going to turn it turn it woke, and you know, all of that kind of stuff. I'm really afraid of that. But I'll say, I'll at least say it this way: um, the teaser wasn't nearly as bad as what people made it out to be. I'll say that. Like everybody like was blowing like is yeah, like that's way too much hate for literally just a title reveal. I mean, yeah. what do they expect from? Well, I, I think here's what I think about it. I think that people like people have known that um, Amazon is going to be doing this for several years now. I don't know exactly how many. I heard five. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, but I know at least I've known for a couple at least. 
and everybody's been looking for a reason to like you know and then as soon as that come out they're like ah oh, there it is you know yep. and i don't think that was it <laughs> i don't i think i actually think they the teaser... were in full primed and ready jump mode to sort of jump jeff bezos for ruining this thing that they kind of went a little too hot out of the gate yeah on the title reveal here's what i would say i say like let's wait until we see at least a trailer or until the thing yeah. comes out <laughs> you know like let's let's wait a little bit before we i mean honestly i think the fact that amazon's willing to invest like 500 million dollars in the first season shows that they know the weight and the importance of what they're working with and they know how i'll huge these stories are to people i'll be honest with you the fact that they stuck so close to the source material and did what they did with the tr- the teaser I- i'm really surprised by i mean they'd almost have to i mean why would you waste money c- uh, pouring that much money into a storyline that people if if the audience if the purists if the people that love tolkien and his work hate it and rebel against it and don't take it up who else is going to run with it i mean they literally just lost a billion dollars into the show yeah. i yeah. mean it I makes think- no sense for him to yeah, I think that they. I think that they realize that there is a, a big community out there um, who follows Tolkien and yeah. Lord of the Rings, and so I think that they and a big Christian community too. Yeah. So they can't really take it that far. Yeah, I think that they 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 understand that. And now, like I said, I'm I still have concerns. I mean, they can sure roundabout way kind of sneak in some agendas, yeah, but right in but, your face stuff. But, I don't, there's no way they get away with it. Yeah, well, that it doesn't look like they're going to get away with it with the rating. Um, at least sexual-wise, like Game of Thrones stuff. But if they do, they'll have to kind of do it in a more subversive kind of storytelling way, I think. But I'll say this. I was really happy with the teaser. On all in all, I, I really liked it. Um, and I don't think that this was the thing. No, I remember when we first saw the, the first sort of promotional image for it. The all the steel. The trees, mm. I, you sent it to me, and I literally pulled the car over and sat and looked at it. I was like, this looks like Middle Earth. Yeah, I mean, this it, looks really good. Yeah, it, it looked good. And the the trailer, I thought, or the teaser, I thought looked really good. Yeah. I was really happy with it. Still really happy with it. That's all subject to change, though. That could change whenever the first episode comes out. That could change whenever a trailer comes out. But this, I don't think, was the thing to get all torqued up about. <laughs> I think there's two camps that need to be satisfied. One, you need to bring back Howard Shore to that's, make it that's sound a, like the Lord of the Rings. That's a big plus that they did. They brought back. And the music that was yep. on the teaser that we heard just now was by Howard Shore. You can tell. It's sort of yep. a, a play on the original, sort of the way the Fellowship opens that yep. you can se- sequence. Hear the, you can hear it. You can hear the, mo- the kind of the motif there, yep. you know. So, um, I think that there's a lot to be positive on for now, is is what I'll say. For now. Um, It's definitely not, uh, you know, I I don't think... The other crowd they have to appease next is these people who are going to hold that book to this series and hold them accountable to it. Yeah. I mean, they're really going to, and they need to really watch what they're doing with it. Yeah. And I'm I'm really interested to see if they, when when they release um, a trailer, Super Bowl Sunday's coming up. I read that it's going to be... the, the initial release in September is going to be yep. a first episode, yep. and then they're going to release an episode a week I'm after inter- that. That's what they did with Will of Time. And so I'm really interested to see if they release a, a full-on trailer on Super Bowl Sunday because that would be the perfect time to do it. You're going to have everybody in America glued to their TV that you're day. gonna have me going through a nervous breakdown. I, no, the I moment mean, it drops, I don't care how late it is, I will be calling you and... You're going to hear my thoughts. There's not been anybody. Uh, there's not been anybody who's confirmed when a trailer would be. But if it were me, and I wanted to put it out in front of all the people, uh, get it in front of as many eyes as I could. Super Bowl Sunday was when I would be doing it. So, will it happen then? I guess we'll have to find. Out. We'll have to wait and find out. But uh, the good thing is, is we're not so far off from Super Bowl Sunday. Right. So. Then. What would they want? They were wanting to release it like what September second. So I mean, it's yeah, not, it's not that that far off. No, not at all. Um, especially since that tra- that teaser. So yep. anyway, but so far I'm totally happy with it. So I don't know. All right, so let's move on to the next topic. So the next topic is astral projection. Are we sure we want to move on to the next topic? Because I'm still I, enraged. Honestly, I could talk about this for for a uh, few few more uh i could talk about it for a little while longer but we're already we've already spent almost 25 minutes on this one so all right all right well let's talk about uh out of body experience i just had an out of body out of body experience i I was like uh, i witnessed it 
Um, so let's talk about out-of-body experiences and astral projection and, and uh, all this interesting stuff. Okay, I would say out-of-body experiences is going to be the title that we sum up the, the whole section with. Yeah, so, so we've had people ask about astral projection. Right. Yeah, so we've had several people on our group. So this is where it's come from. For some of you, you're like, okay, we're transitioning from Lord of the Rings to astral projection. Yeah. Why? Number one, because this is a chinwag, and that's what we do on chinwags. Yeah. We just do talk about whatever we want. It's not formal at all. And because we've had a lot of people in the Sword and Staff Facebook group who have asked, asked us about, about, this, topic, about yeah. this topic. So, Richie, you can go ahead and take it All away right, so that. we're going to sort of sum it up with out-of-body experiences, and that sort of gets divided into two camps. You have experiences like astral projection, which are sort of intentional. They are through ritualistic means and focused meditation, and it's something that you take it upon yourself to induce that sort of experience. Um, an out-of-body experience like uh, near-death experiences and things like that are something that are external, and they are forced upon you, and it's not anything of your own sort of volition, your own will. Mm-hmm. So which one do you want to start with? Let's start with astral projection, the intentional, you said. Something huge in the occult community. Yeah. I know it's something that in uh, ritual magic that's practiced a lot of times, I mean, yeah. people don't even realize that they're doing it when they're using guided meditation apps, visualization apps, when they're yeah. being asked to visualize being somewhere. That's yeah. the first steps of astral projection. That's interesting. So I, I think that a lot of people probably don't think about that. They probably think that astral projection is I'm projecting myself outside of my body and I'm able to look at myself, which yeah. I, I'm sure is it's probably... It's a process. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a, a process. But you're you're saying that... Um, those types of guided like meditation apps. Yeah, and stuff that's like the that. first yeah. sort of steps to into that. It's it's an untethering. It's showing you how to separate yourself, kind your of detach from your yeah yeah. And you see that with uh, Tibetan monks and things that are doing visual visualizations and yeah, they sort of are experts in that thing. But in the occult, it's something that's widely practiced. It's something that I used to practice when I was in the when I was a pagan, and yeah. Now, some people may say, wait a second now, like, you said meditation. Like, aren't we supposed to meditate as Christians? Like, uh, and yes, we are. But the type of meditation that Christians have traditionally done is not the same type of meditation that, say, Tibetan monks or the pagans are doing. So this is a type of meditation that's meant to, let's how would I say it? Uh, detach you, clear your mind, you know, yeah, that kind Christianity, of thing. Christianity, when we meditate, we're putting ourselves into a very focused narrative into the story of the Bible. Yeah. Whereas in paganism and meditation, it's a, just a free-floating sort of detachment yeah. from physicality, from yeah. physical experience. It's very uh, escapist in And that's some what's ways. dangerous about it in the occult, because yeah. you're literally opening yourself up to whatever's in sort of the astral realm, the spiritual realm. That's how people come under attack, spiritual attack from... Those practices. Yeah. Biblical meditation, on the other hand, like you were saying, it's focused, but we're not trying to empty our minds. We're trying to fill our fill minds. It, right. Yeah. That's right. That's the difference. So, so you know, an example of that, of biblical meditation traditionally, is you take a passage of Scripture and you you meditate on it. You think about it. You focus on it. You can even, uh, a, a, a technique that's even been used is you can even imagine yourself to be a bystander in the passage and see it transpiring in your mind. Right, that's biblical meditation. Now, this type of pagan meditation and the types that you're going to get on place things like Headspace and apps like that, you're going to get um, you're going to get this clear your mind, focus on your breathing. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, focus on imagine that you're here, imagine that you're there. You know, that kind of thing. It's it's uh, and it's kind of preparing you um, for this is. Uh, a step, uh, early steps on detachment, I guess, is what we could say. So, okay, so that's pretty interesting. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know what you want to say from there, but yeah, and it's not something that's just linked to uh, to sort of occultists and you know sketchy people like that. I mean, you have this practice within the government, with world governments. The CIA had a project called uh, Project Stargate. And other things like that, where they had remote viewers employed by the CIA, by the government, okay. and their job was psychic warfare. They were using oh boy astral projection <laughs> and uh, meditation to sort of spy on the, on the Russians, on the enemy. Okay, I was not expecting to go down this route. Um, 
what, okay, you said remote viewing. So yeah. tell me, what is what is remote viewing? Is remote this viewing is just another form of astral projection. Okay. I mean, um, like with Star Project Stargate, it was a U.S. Army sort of experiment, and they started out uh, sort of using. Uh, there's a movie, and in a book, I think, called "The Men Who Stare at Goats." Have you yeah, heard of it? Yeah, I've heard That's of that. That's based on this uh, Project Stargate, based on the CIA CIA files. But yeah, every world, major world government was practicing at the time. They had their own remote viewers, and they were literally using astral projection to spy on each other. Like they would visualize enemy targets, enemy bases, enemy weapon storehouses, enemy intelligence centers, and you'd have the remote viewer conveying this information to to an artist, and they would draw maps, and they would find these points in real life locations, and that would be targets that they would seek out. So let me ask you this, and. Do you think that whenever they were doing this remote viewing in this project that you're talking about, that they were actually uh, had transcended that and was actually seeing things, or do you think Absolutely. that they you do? Because okay. it comes from the work that even Hitler and the Nazis were practicing back in the day, oh, wow. and we know that Hitler gets uh, literally the Nazis will tell you that their rise to technological might, their claim to power, came from external sources from occultic sources from contact with fallen spiritual beings mm. so i mean there's definitely i think this is just another so it's more than branch the, of that so it's more than you think them just encountering themselves and what right. they're thinking you think that they okay that's interesting that's really really interesting because it was captured nazi scientists when we brought them back to the united states that really all this stuff took off so hmm explosion yeah, of our okay. space program yeah. and things like that with Warner Von Braun. Right. I mean, he was a captured scientist himself. Right. So, I mean, things like that. Yeah. That is fascinating. And that is something that is does seem to be undeniable. I mean, you can go to the CIA's website right now and look at the, uh, the reports where they had uh, remote viewers try to remote view other planets, like on Mars. Uh, there was a remote viewer in the CIA files that came across... Uh, what they described as shadowy giants, like ghostly giants, beings living inhabiting Mars, like spiritual beings inhabiting Mars, and that they were giants. And it was almost like literally they described the Nephilim is what it sounds like wow. from the CIA file. So this is something that's been in practice beyond just crazy occultists and sketchy people. Yeah. This is literally world governments. That's fascinating. All right, let's let's move on and let's talk about the the other one that you was talking about, the involuntary one. What was that again? That's out of body experiences, such as like uh, near death experiences, or experiences that you would find having like a paranormal experience, like people when they have are abducted by aliens or have uh, time loss, things right. like that. That's the sort of thing I'm talking about with that. Okay. Yeah. So we know that, like in uh, Point Pleasant, and uh, you know, with the Mothman stuff that happened there, that there were people um, who experienced time loss, like they were driving, and then, like the clock says, it's one a.m. in the morning, and then next time they look at it, it's like four a.m. and they don't know where the time went, but in between, right? That kind of stuff <laughs> happened, and that stuff is documented in places where high strangeness occurs, right? And even the abduction experience itself, I mean, more and more it's starting to look like these experiences are less being physically taken somewhere mm, right. and more of an experience that transcends physicality in the sense that it's a spiritual experience or it's Well, don't they replicate that with hypnosis they do. in yeah, in they hell can trigger it. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah, you're able to kind of trigger that same type of thing. That's and why they use hypnosis to help uh, abduction victims with regression. They can they can literally tap into that experience through hypnosis, which mm-hmm. sort of proves that it's something that transcends like a physical abduction. Yeah. So so what do you th- what do you think about it? Like um like so for example, you think that the person is not being physically abducted, but it's something that's going on mentally, spiritually. Like how do you what do you think? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's very complex. I mean, the only way I can describe it is like when you hear, uh, I don't know when they're when they're going through it. They would say that it's like they're being physically taken somewhere, but in reality, right. their body could be laying right there. It's something they're going through. Yeah. So it's like spiritually. Some, it's like something. It's like a something going on with the consciousness. Yeah. That's really interesting. I mean, the closest thing you'll see in scripture is with things like with Paul. 
whether he's saying whether in the body or out of the body, you know, he wasn't yeah. sure being having those visions and uh, Stephen with his vision before he stoned. Yeah. And there's sort of those out of body experiences, near death experiences sort of tie into that. But yeah. Yeah. I know that traditionally the way that Christians have talked kind of about the visions in scripture are kind of like they're a glimpse of what's called the beatific vision. And so the, yeah. be, the beatific vision is, I mean, it's basically what we're created for is to see God. Beatific vision means the blessed vision. And basically the blessed vision is seeing God. Um, like we actually used a, a picture of the, the uh, by Gustave Dor or Gustave Doré um, on the beatific vision for the episode that we did on reenchanting the heavens, or maybe it was the spiritual being series. I can't remember. Spiritual being series. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, but that's um, and so you know a lot of uh, you know what's uh, you know the Christian tradition has said about a lot of this stuff is it's kind of like you get a glimpse of the beatific vision. You know what I mean? It's not that you get to see it in its fullness. Like, so for example, Isaiah and Isaiah six, uh, he's caught up into heaven, right? Into the, basically into like the Holy of Holies. Um, yeah, and, that, that, that terminology being caught up, it's being yeah. something out of your control. Like right. you're just taking yeah. into it. That's, and, yeah. And so I've heard others talk about this too. And they've talked about that. What you see in scripture is always an involuntary, right? calling up it's not something that they're trying to initiate themselves right that's through through ritual mysticism whatever it may be um and that's what pagans are doing is they are they are trying to initiate right yeah and so my question is like are that like what is it exactly they're encountering like are they encountering something else someone else um or are they encountering something that's in their mind you know what i mean them the self or, or something like that so um i guess it could be either really yeah so I have dominated this water. Josh is like downing this water. That's what he does during our podcast. Pretty much. Uh, so, yeah. But, yeah, that's uh, – but it's interesting, though. Um, I can't remember. I think it's it's a similar vehicle of experience. I mean, I mean, you even have when these people are having these experiences in, in Scripture that not all the time are they – are they dead or are they they're right. leaving their body? It's right. And yeah. even in paganism, it's something that's not always outside of the body. It's a projection yeah. almost. I guess you could say that that's evidence that we're more than just physical. Right. You know what I mean? That, that the conscious is something that it's like, it's a human experience that transcends sort of yeah. religion and faith. Cause you have atheists that have that will have near death experiences. And they'll report the same sort of experience as someone with any sort of religious programming. So yeah. it seems like it's a, a, a baseline human experience as they approach some sort of next step, whether that's death, whether that's uh, mm-hmm. ritualistic, ritualistic practice and they're being taken into that experience, or it's something outside of themselves being caught up into that experience. But yeah, What, what are some of the practices that people do to do this? Like uh, of those who are doing it intentionally. Um, I mean, in Tibetan Buddhism, there's a form of uh, visualization and visualizing. You're you're removing sections of your body until you're physically nothing. And then that spiritual essence that's left can then is free to sort of just travel Hmm. the cosmos, as it were. And I know I know people who have also used like psychedelics. Yeah. You know, um, and they use it as kind of an opportunity um, to uh, you know, get in touch with the spiritual plane and that yeah. kind of thing. I have talked to. That's nothing that I've ever done, right? But in my practice in paganism and the occult, it was mainly uh, designing ritual and using uh, like structured meditation and things like that that sort of guided me through that process. Yeah, but. I never exper- experimented with like psychedelics or anything like that, but that's definitely another way to trigger it. Yeah, I this, one of the people that I know who said they've practiced that before <laughs> was using psychedelics, and he he claims to have had an experience where like he he could see his body like yeah. out, outside of himself. You know what I mean? And so, um, so yeah, I mean, I. I would say that, yeah, that's probably totally possible. I mean, you're more yeah. than just a body, you know. Um, 
Like, I'm not a materialist. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? And I think a, there's a famous story uh, of a cardiologist reported uh, a story from the. Are you ER. going to tell me about Dr. Stephen Strange? No. <laughs> he reported. Well, I mean, he could uh, overlap there, but there was a cardiologist that. Uh, and a, neurosur- a neurosurgeon now that they teamed up together to write a book on near-death experiences. But one of his experiences from his practice was he had a woman that came in into the hospital. She was she had she was dead. She had no uh, sinus rhythm, there no brain activity. But when they brought her back, she kept talking about there being a red shoe on top of the hospital. Yeah. So she had never been up there. Nobody had ever been up there to see to place anything like that. So on a whim, he remembered after they revived her and she told the story. And she left. He went onto the roof of the hospital, and on the roof of the hospital was a red shoe. Hmm. And that sort of got him into the research and deep diving into out of body experiences. And that's sort of how I got into researching that stuff. You know, there are, um, you know, there's a ton of stories throughout church history where you see saints encountering God in in ways that are mystical. Uh, right. Like Thomas Aquinas, who I I really appreciate. Like I have his Summa Theologiae over on my shelf over there. Um, you know, basically that's what happened to him before the end of his life. You know, he was uh, he was riding you know a horse. Well, that was before he died. How he died, um, but he was a uh, he was he had been writing his you know his summary of the Christian faith in, in the Summa. And uh, he had a, an encounter with God. It wasn't something that he initiated. It was something that was initiated um, by God. And where he, he basically stops writing and says that everything that he wrote had been straw. And uh, he doesn't even finish it. Like, it was unfinished. It, it was actually finished by people who, um, who kind of worked with him and knew him and was kind of like his assistants. They kind of compiled some of his thoughts and put them in the last volume of the Summa and finished it for him. But before he died, he, you know, he had that kind of uh, vision where, you know, he gets kind of this glimpse of the beatific vision and, uh, you know, and it changes him, you know what I mean? And that's not, that's not at all, that's not at all weird throughout church history. Like right. you, there's, are, there are a ton of stories out there like that. And, you know, and I, I, I get it. Like, are, I mean, somebody from outside of that circle, like mm-hmm. somebody in paganism and the occult, would look at that and say, "Yo, that's out of body experiences. That's a form of astral projection, like things like that." Yeah. So they would see the overlap there, like I do. Yeah. They might call it different things. Yeah, I want to call it something different. Like I hear the, astral the terminology is like, no. problematic, but yeah. I definitely see enough of an well, overlap. To you know, that's, if I was on the outside looking in, I'm like, "There, there's the crossover." Well, you know, you're you're approaching it and you're talking about it right now from the perspective of the the paranormal and the terminology right. that they give it you know what I, I mean you see so. in the new in the new age and the occult today they'll talk about people having an astral body uh, a light body uh of, and it's and it's a, that projection outside the physical self so it's almost like a more of a, proje- a projection of consciousness than sort of uh literally you're like your soul leaving your body or something yeah. like that a lot of lot of strange things a lot there. of weird i don't know a lot of weirdness a lot of weirdness <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it, but that's. Uh, um, Josh is like, and this has been Sketchy Richie's and weekly this is, ramble, and this is uh, Sketchy Richie's. <laughs> uh, everybody told me they wanted me to just not hold it back anymore, so there here you, we go. Here you go. Um, but but yeah, I, I, like as a Christian though, that's how I, I tend to think about these things. So for example, like I know that most Christians, like whenever they hear about. Um, people like saints having mystical experiences like the the default is to be mainly like skeptical about that and i understand that um but i think that we need to check ourselves in some ways because i think that we're whether we know it or not um we're really influenced by secular materialism yeah you know where we we like we just we just automatically look at those things and just discount them before we ever um, you know, dive into them. And whenever you look throughout, you know, Scripture, those things aren't out of the ordinary, like in the Old and New Testament, you know, and throughout church history even. I mean, even respected theologians and doctors of the church like Thomas Aquinas have that kind of... Now, I'm not saying that I've ever experienced anything like that. I've yeah. not. I've not. Um, and 
but um, those aren't things that we should discount, I don't think. And we also need to keep in mind that it's not something that we should be seeking, right, through, like, uh, ritual practices or anything right. like that. But it's something that God can, and it maybe even occasionally does, initiate himself. And so, um, but yeah, you, where it's like you kind of see this glimpse of the blessed vision, the beatific. Yep. I mean, that's what Isaiah sees in Isaiah 6. You know, he's called up into heaven, and he doesn't see God per se, but he sees the train of his robe fill the the temple. And, um, you know, what little bit of it that he sees, he's like, woe is me. I'm yep. a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. You know, um, you know and it's like a... You know, Ezekiel, he sees, you know, a glimpse of God seated on his chariot. And uh, Paul, you Seems know. Seems like just these brief glimpses that they get yeah. throughout Scripture is enough to just absolutely just yeah. horrify them almost. Scale, like, well, change their lives. They're like. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like with Thomas Aquinas even. You know, with Thomas, he's. Like even with Moses. Yeah. Being hidden away in the cleft of the rock there. Yeah. Seeing the glory of God. Yeah. You know, it's even like with Aquinas. Like after he, he gets a glimpse of. Of that, he's like, I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> I'm going to live in obscurity like, for the rest of my life. I'm, I'm going to live in obscurity the rest yep. of my life. I'm not even going to finish my life's work. <laughs> like, you know, um, it's interesting. Um, you know, so, I mean, you've got really one of two options with that. You can you can look at it and you can say, nope, it's all fake. Just, you I mean, know. you see that response with any sort of experience with the, with the spiritual and the supernatural. I get, I get it. Like everybody's like, oh, it's so subjective. Yeah. Like when people yeah, run into is. an angel in in scripture, they're, they're, it's not like, hey, what's up, angel? It's like yeah. they're on their faces, like terrified of the otherness, otherliness yeah. of this experience. I get it. Everybody's like, oh, that's so subjective, you yeah. know. And it's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> like you're right, it is. Like it is subjective, and that's the point. Like things like that can happen. Like who's saying that this is objective? You know, nobody's saying that. Like somebody experienced this and what you're you're knowing of it is is from their experience of it that's been mediated through the telling of it through somebody else so of course it's subjective but what do you do with it you know what i mean do you just say nope that's fake uh whatever that didn't happen or do you say you know what like something like that could happen like i'm I'm that's usually the response to it within christian circles is they toss it out immediately because of fear of something they don't understand that they don't know yeah yeah, well, you know, here we're supernaturalists, yeah, and we so we don't we don't uh, count things like out like that. It's totally possible. Listen, you know, I, I think that there's a reason why in Scripture God says you shouldn't do this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Like, like you shouldn't be consulting with the witches. You shouldn't be you shouldn't be doing pagan practices. You shouldn't be hanging out with the pagans. You shouldn't be married. You shouldn't be doing all this stuff. Um, it's because it works, right? It's, it's he because it works. Give it something that doesn't work. Yeah, and. You know, we learn, as we've talked about, you know, in, you know, some of the other series that we've done, this is all information given by, you know, through the Watchers, right, from the whole Genesis right. 6 Sons of God event, right? Like, what they bring is the knowledge of this um, exactly, this secret the knowledge. Exactly, I was trying to make with, with mm. the Nazis and the yeah, occ- right. si- occult sciences. That's right. This is where it came from. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that happened, and it's not outside of the realm of, the, of possibility to think that, you know, <laughs> people... People have those kind of experiences. I mean, there are people who are alive today. They're uh, old guys, but they are retired Army CIA agents that were part of the remote viewing projects. And you can see their interviews on History Channel and things like that where they've been interviewed about their work. But, yeah. Yep. Yep. Go watch the movie The Men Who Stare at Goats. (sighs) That sounds like a bad time. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't sound like a movie I'm interested in. Uh, but Josh, after this, Josh, I'm going to have Josh Astral project over to the Lord of the Rings set and see what's no. going on on with Jeff Bezos over there. See no. if he's ruining my movie, my TV show. <laughs> somebody, somebody burn the precious. <laughs> no, nobody to remote viewing to see if Jeff Bezos ruin yeah. ruining Lord of the Rings. We're starting please. a remote viewing group on uh, the Sword and Staff Facebook page. If you guys want to help us no. sort of spy out the Lord of the Rings set, we're definitely not. <laughs> if anything, we're see gonna, if we need to gather gonna, Kindle to burn the precious we're, or not we're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna do some uh prayers and we're gonna do the daily office <laughs> prayer offices and, <laughs> and meditate on scripture and maybe we'll get a glimpse of the beatific vision so uh, i mean whatever works <laughs> 
anyway, that's what we do. Um, so we can go the Josh's route, or my route is a little bit more of a thorny path, but uh, you know. a little bit, little little uh, sketchy, little sketchy. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we hope that you enjoyed today's Chinwag edition of the Sword and Staff. Um, we're pre-recording this because I'm going right. to be in the Hobbit. Knoll. Josh is going to the Hobbit hole. I'm going to the Hobbit hole somewhere in North Carolina. <laughs> there we so, go. By the time you hear this, I will have already been back. No, I won't. No, I'll actually no, just be, be just, there. just be getting there. And he'll take some pictures. <laughs> um, but so yeah, yeah, I'll I'll uh, be taking some pictures. But uh, yeah, our church graciously paid for us a, a trip because they know that we're Lord of the Rings uh, fans uh, to this hobbit hole <laughs> that somebody built out in North Carolina somewhere. And, like, it's gorgeous, uh, like, really, really beautiful. And so, uh, so yeah. Um, I would see, say he's already got half of it. That's where he's going to be doing the astral projection from. <laughs> or another, the there, there will be no astral projection. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> there will be no astral projection. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. This is what you guys get whenever this you say what you get when you say un- unleash Richie. Um, <laughs> you basically just get me over here like, mm-hmm, yep. All right then. Yep. So, all right. Well, Richie, you got anything else to say? I don't know if I, I want to. I don't to say, but we don't have any time. Say, I don't know if I want to give you more time yeah. to speak. But <laughs> Allie's out there haunting the hallway as it is, pacing. She's ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening, and we hope that you enjoyed today's episode and that you got some laughs out of it. Yep. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. See you then. See you.